Hello everyone. In August 2014, an illness broke out in northeastern Brazil. Patients developed a rash, bloodshot eyes, fever, joint pains and headaches. Now these symptoms are similar to those of dengue fever. However, when these patients were tested, dengue fever was ruled out. This mystery disease continued to spread in South America, but it was not until May 2015 that scientists diagnosed it as the Zika virus. At the time, the Zika virus epidemic was linked to a large number of birth defects. As panic spread, there was even a call for the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro to be postponed. Zika virus was actually first identified in around 1947. It originated in rhesus monkeys in the Zika forest in Uganda. Zika virus is transmitted by the Aedes mosquito or the Aedes aegypti to give it its proper binomial name. This mosquito is native to Africa but it was introduced into the Americas by travellers and explorers. Until the start of 2000, it's believed that Zika rarely caused human infections. The main life cycle of the virus was mosquito-monkey-mosquito. However, the disease has crossed the species barrier now and Zika outbreaks in the human population have become much, much more common. The female mosquito feeds on blood and it acts therefore as a vector and when I talk about a vector I'm ultimately meaning a carrier of a pathogen. The Zika virus is transmitted in the same way as malaria and dengue fever. It is injected into the blood of a mammalian host when a female mosquito takes a blood meal as such. Only the female mosquitoes feed on the blood. They need the iron in the haemoglobin for the development of their eggs. The male mosquito can't bite through the skin so it doesn't transmit the virus. When the female mosquito feeds, she pierces the skin with needle-like mouthparts and she also injects saliva. Now, the saliva contains an anticoagulant and what that does is it stops blood clotting. If the mosquito feeds on an infected person, that blood will contain viral particles or virions, if you like. The mosquito then pump the blood into its gut and digest it. The virus passes out of the mosquito's gut and then moves to the salivary glands. And when the mosquito next feeds, the virus is transmitted through the saliva and it infects the next organism. The virus itself is only about 40 nanometers in diameter. Each viral particle is composed of a protein capsule enclosing a single strand of RNA or ribonucleic acid. The capsule is surrounded by an envelope composed of a membrane and proteins. The RNA carries the instructions for the creation of new viral proteins. Unlike some viruses, this RNA is never transcribed back into DNA, so it never becomes part of the genome of the host as such, unlike some viral infections, so ones like retroviruses, like HIV. Like other viruses though, the Zika has to enter living cells in order to replicate. The virus makes use of the host cell's organelles to create new viral particles. 
I should just say, it's important to remember that the virus cannot carry out any metabolic processes. They don't have any organelles to do that. So to replicate, they have to be in a living cell. They have to invade it. And those cells can be either eukaryotic or they can be prokaryotic. So how does the Zika virus actually replicate within a host cell? Well, the virus particles would be in close contact with said host cell and there are receptors in that host cell membrane. The Zika virus attaches to those receptors and then it's taken into the host cell and enclosed in a vesicle by a process known as endocytosis. That virus gets uncoated so the nucleic acid is released. That viral RNA is then released into the cytoplasm where it starts to replicate. Some RNA attaches to ribosomes on the surface of the endoplasmic reticulum and the ribosomes translate the RNA into viral proteins. A vesicle of viral proteins and RNA sort of buds off the endoplasmic reticulum if you like and then the vesicle gets transported to the Golgi apparatus. So ultimately we're transporting those viral proteins and RNA to be kind of modified. So in the Golgi, those proteins and viral RNAs, they're modified, they're tweaked, and then they're assembled into new viral particles. Those viral particles then move to the cell surface membrane and then they get released by exocytosis. So endo brought it in, exo sends out the products. And the virus is then released and as you can imagine, it just goes on to infect further cells. In August 2016, the WHO, or the World Health Organization, declared the Zika virus a global public health emergency. The infection was linked to thousands of babies being born with underdeveloped brains. That's called microcephaly. Or microcephaly, rather. A state of emergency was declared in some areas where doctors described the disease as being, I guess you could say, a pandemic in progress. Some doctors even advised that women in affected countries should avoid getting pregnant. Microcephaly is a condition where a baby is born with a very small head, ultimately. Sometimes the baby's head stops growing after birth. Babies born with that condition suffer all sorts of developmental problems. They may have convulsions, fits, or physical or learning difficulties, and there's no cure currently or treatment for microcephaly. There are many other causes though. There's a whole range. Uh, Chromosome abnormalities, a lack of oxygen to developing brain, and exposure of the mother to certain toxins during pregnancy. I mean, they're just a handful of them. There is a growing consensus, though, that the Zika virus is also a cause of microcephaly. The Zika virus is, I guess you could say it very rarely leads to actual death. Experts believe that the Zika is linked to complications of pregnancy, such as miscarriage, stillbirth, premature birth and eye problems. It can be spread by sexual intercourse and it passes through the placenta. However, scientists believe that the virus will not affect babies who are conceived after the virus has been cleared from the mother's blood. It's only recently that Zika virus has been associated with microcephaly. Having looked at the evidence, scientists in Brazil 
now believe that the outbreak of microcephaly and other birth defects are probably more likely due to the overuse of large amounts of banned pesticides. The poor sanitation, widespread deficiency of vitamins and minerals amongst certain populations in South America, and exposure to pollution and toxic pesticides have been positively linked to birth defects. Unlike malaria and dengue fever, Zika virus rarely, as I've said, causes death of the patient, but there are uh, methods that we can use to, I guess you could say, control Zika virus. All three conditions that I mentioned, so malaria, dengue fever, Zika, are transmitted by mosquitoes. So to control the spread of the disease, you need to control and target the mosquitoes. That That's kind of where uh, we're looking here. And there are several ways that mosquito bites can be simply just prevented. You cover up their skin in the evening when female, female mosquitoes are active. You wear an insect repellent like a lemon and eucalyptus. And I'm probably saying things that many of the listeners are aware of, especially if you've travelled to uh, particular countries around the world where you've had to take a number of uh, kind of preventive medicines and consider whether Zika virus is a threat or not. And just sleeping under a mosquito net, something very simple, very effective, can help control the spread of the disease. Killing mosquitoes would prevent them acting as the vector. And there are several ways in which mosquito numbers can be reduced. So we could spray them with insecticide. I mean, this method was quite successful in many countries, but when a disease seems to be under control, the program of extermination is often stopped. Many insecticides are extremely dangerous to human health and other wildlife, and mosquitoes rapidly develop resistance to pesticides, and these no longer actually kill the insects. And so many countries are left just unable to pay for the extensive eradication programs. There's also uh, the idea of treating wetland areas. So mosquitoes lay their eggs in water. So removing the water will remove the eggs and the insect larvae. Clearing up sources of stagnant water from bird baths and swimming pools will help remove breeding sites. Spraying with detergent is also useful. Detergent breaks the surface tension of water so that the eggs are laid in, I guess you could say, rafts, if you like, on the surface of the water. And it will cause them to sink. Larvae that rely on surface tension will also drown. Unfortunately, though, the beneficial insects who lay their eggs in water are also harmed, as you can imagine. Other methods have been trialled, though, including the mass release of male insects that have been sterilised to low doses of radiation. Sterile male mates are with the females. So sterile males... Uh, the idea basically behind this is that if they mate with the female, the eggs that are laid can't properly develop. And then there's biological control. That uses male mosquitoes carrying a bacterium called Wolbachia. Now, these bacteria are safe for humans and other mammals, uh, thankfully. The females mate with the males that are infected with the bacteria, and therefore the eggs don't end up hatching. Fish, which eat mosquito larvae, have also been introduced into waters in fishing communities. I guess the key message that I want to get across here is that Zika virus is a disease that is harmful, but it's not life-threatening. 
it is usually mild, thankfully, and, and so there's no specific treatment for it. A person who contracts the disease simply needs to drink plenty of fluids, treat any pain or any fever with paracetamol, ibuprofen, a particular uh, painkiller, and just get plenty of rest. There is, to date, no vaccine available, but you never know in the future. Uh, there may very well be one, but I think it's fairly obvious at the time of recording. Right now, all our efforts are focused on trying to find a vaccine and treatment for another particularly harmful virus. And on that note, I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone uh, for listening to this podcast. And thank you to Curriculum Press, our sponsors, for providing content for me to use for this podcast. Okay, take care, everyone.